Let's read again from the Word of God, turning this time to 1 Timothy, and we're going to read from the second chapter, 1 Timothy in chapter 2. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications and prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting now i want to move to verse 14 of chapter 3 chapter 3 and verse 14 these things write i unto thee hoping to come unto thee shortly but if i tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of god which is the church of the living god the pillar and ground of the truth and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. And then into the fourth chapter. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in in hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, or it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Amen. We thank the Lord again for the reading of his word. Let's unite our hearts in prayer and ask the Lord's help as we consider these things together. Our Father, we commend ourselves to thee now and We thank thee, Lord, for the word which thou hast written. We pray for an understanding of it. Lord, we pray that we uh, might pick up on what is the intention of the apostle in in speaking these things, in writing these things. 
And Lord, that we might grow in grace and in the knowledge of God our Saviour, that we might give thee the glory and the praise which is due unto thy name, that we might proclaim the truth in Christ. Lord, that we should not come before thee with will worship, that we should not come before thee with the doctrines and commandments of men, but that we might love thee with all our heart, and that we might serve thee and glorify thy name, that that which is spoken of in the scripture as being the evidence of the presence of the Lord with us, that desire to serve thee, that love for the Lord our God, Lord, that those things may be found in us, and that we might trust in the Lord alone, not in the works of our hands, not in the righteousness of our lives, but in the righteousness of Christ and in the grace of God. Lord, bless us this day then, we ask thee, and come amongst us, revive our hearts and cause us to rejoice in the Lord our God. And Lord, we pray that we may have an understanding of Paul's purpose here in writing to thy servant Timothy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the text which has been laid upon my heart, and indeed uh, the only text which has been laid upon my heart uh, for this service, is that found in verse 16 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, it's a well-known text, uh, and it's a disputed text. So we want to consider it and see what is being said here. The dispute comes over the word God in the text. Uh, for we see these words, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And some say that that word uh, should be he was manifest in the flesh. Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance, uh, will maintain that it should be he was manifest in the flesh. Uh, there is a, an explanation as to why in the Greek texts there could be a difference between these two uh, words. Uh, because certainly there are Greek texts which appear to say he. Two things I want to say just at the outset here. First of all, uh, the, the, there is a possible um, a misinterpretation of the word because in the Greek texts there are a lot of ways of keeping the text short. So there are lots of ways in which uh, words are shortened and given in a kind of a shorthand. Um, and theos is one of them. Theos is the word for God. And so it is a, a theta, uh, an eta, an omicron, an omicron, not omicron, an omicron and a sigma. So you have those four letters. The last of those two letters, the omicron and the sigma, which is the O and the S, uh, also are the word for he. So that's why uh, it might be like this. But the word theos is shortened. And so often in the scripture it is shortened to a theta, uh, which is a, an O with a line in it, and a sigma, which is, looks like our S, which goes below the line, and then a line over the top, which makes that theos and not os. Now, if that was forgotten uh, when it was copied, if that line over the top was forgotten, and the line, the tiny little line inside the theta was forgotten, then you would have os. It would just say os. But even so, even if you would take that to be he, who does the he refer to? Well, you only have to go back up to the, the verse before, and if you're going to use a pronoun, then it refers to the last noun. And you go back to the verse before, verse 15, it says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know that thou how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. 
And if you continue then, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, he was manifest in the flesh. So it's still God, one way or the other. Uh, we have to say that this says, indeed, God was manifest in the flesh. So just to get rid of that, uh, that thought, because certainly it is something which comes up uh, sometimes in conversation, particularly with Jehovah's Witnesses. I want to look at this under three heads and uh, not go into great depth, uh, hopefully, but first of all, to open the text itself and see what is said in this verse. Secondly, to observe the context, because the context is very important when we study the word of God, not just to take a, a few words and say what you like about them. Uh, that is uh, a way of, of many uh, to teach all kinds of false doctrine. And we see in that fourth chapter at the beginning, there are false doctrines being taught. And then finally, to obtain the counsel which Paul seeks to give in this chapter. First of all, then, to open the text. Well, uh, here we have these words. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. It is thought that this could be a part of a hymn uh, or a part of a, of a, a kind of a I'm not really sure about this word to be used, but a kind of a mantra uh, that people would say uh, in order to remember how that these things work. There's a, a catechism where there are questions and answers. The first of those, significantly actually to this message, is uh, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God, to enjoy him forever. And so it is thought that perhaps these are words which are, were uh, memorable to be put into people's minds. So what can we see in this text? Well, without controversy, the word there in the Greek means literally all agree. Without controversy, same thing, but perhaps in simpler words, we all agree. We all agree that great, the word mega, which we use in English these days, mega is the mystery of God, of the mystery of godliness. The word Godliness here is the worst word Eusebia. You means good, and Sebia uh, refers to worship. So the word here for mystery of godliness is without controversy, or we all agree, great is the mystery or the enigma of good worship. But the word Eusebia is also used in the, in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, for the words of fear of the Lord. So when that comes up in the Old Testament, there are on occasions uh, this word Eusebia, uh, which is put in its place. So the fear of the Lord. So let's just read it that way for a moment. So here we have then these words, and all agree, great is the enigma of the fear of the Lord. God was re revealed in flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. He was revealed in flesh and uh, he was justified in the spirit. The word there for justified is the word righteous. He was righteous in spirit. Seen of angels. There's another word. We'll just stop uh, for a moment and see this. The word angels, angelos. The word angels is a word which just simply means a messenger. If we stop that sometimes in the scripture where we come across angels and think about those, that word... And just use the translation messenger. Sometimes we can see that there is a possibility that it's not speaking about angelic beings, but it's talking about human messengers. And I think that that is what is being said here. 
that here, seen of angels, seen of messengers, because it continues, preached unto the Gentiles. So, of course, the Apostle Paul says this himself, doesn't he? In verse 7 of chapter 2, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. So Paul goes forth to preach that which he has seen. He is a messenger of the gospel and he goes forth to proclaim and to herald those wonderful things which are done in Jesus Christ. So we can say then, if we look at this again and all agree, great is the enigma of the fear of the Lord. God was revealed in flesh, righteous in the spirit, observed by messengers, proclaimed in nations. The word ethnos there, uh, ethnic is the word we have, of course, in English. Uh, proclaimed in nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Then we think about the words in the Greek we have this continuation running through. We have the revelation of God. We have the righteousness of God, which was seen by messengers who went forth to proclaim that message. We have the the recognition, therefore. And then he is heralded, proclaimed in the nations. And he is received by the nations. And therefore, uh, and he is revered also, taken up in glory. The word there, not into which is pros or ice, but the word in, which is just n, received up in glory. Not necessarily into glory, but glorified by those who receive the gospel. So there's this continuation then, if we look at it this way. We have God manifest. We have his righteousness seen. We have the messengers who have seen it. We have him preaching, preached unto the Gentiles. We have the world receiving that preaching and glorifying God. There is the continuation through this passage of the glory of God. Now, interestingly, there is another verse which mirrors this quite closely. You turn to 1 John and chapter 1 and verse 1. We see what John has to say. And just keeping in mind what we have here. God was manifest in the flesh. God was revealed in flesh. Righteous in spirit, observed by messengers, proclaimed in the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. John says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, And was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. That ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father. And with his Son, Jesus Christ. John is saying almost exactly the same thing as is being written here. That they had seen Christ. That they had observed Christ. That they had seen that here was the life. That they can see that here is one who is righteous in the spirit. They can see that this is not just something which is being taught to him and learned of him and is just keeping the bare law, but that he loves the Father. And everything he does comes out of his love for the Father and his love for those around him, those who he has healed, those who he has preached to. 
that the time that he spends in prayer in the, in the presence of the Father, in the wilderness or in the mountainside, the work which he does, everything for the glory of God. They see that he is righteous in the spirit. They see that here is one, therefore, uh, observed by them and preached by them, heralded to the nations. These disciples go forth with such a passion upon their heart to preach Christ because they have observed Christ, because they have been with Christ, because Christ has revealed to them what it is to be actually a child of God and to actually serve God with a, with a passion, with a desire and with a love and not like the Pharisees who had the words and who had certain actions but not out of a desire to please God or not out of a desire to, to, to walk with God but because it made them better so that men would look at them. Remember how they would stand on the street corners and pray. So that people might observe their prayer. That they would come with their tithes and offerings. And that they would put it in in such a way that everybody would see what was done. How they went about in their robes. That everyone could see how righteous they were. It wasn't for the glory of God. It wasn't because they loved the Lord. And you see salvation is just that. It is when the Lord comes into our hearts and we love him. We desire him. And we want to walk with him. And John goes on in his epistles uh, there to speak of the, the revelation of our love for God in the way that we love one another and how that we serve one another out of a pure heart, out of a fervency, out of a truthfulness. And God also seeks those to worship him who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So here we want to just look at these five phrases very quickly. First of all, the revelation itself. We read in John 1.18, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And so God was manifest, God was revealed in flesh. The word for flesh is the word sarx, from which we get sarcophagus, a box which holds the flesh. It's an actual flesh. I think that this is often said because some would say that, uh, that Jesus Christ was just a spirit in those days. Certainly the Gnostic Gospels had that kind of a, uh, an idea in them. But he was manifest in flesh, actual flesh. He was actually born. He actually walked amongst them. He was flesh and blood like the rest of them. And he was amongst them. But God was manifest. God was revealed. It was Christ who revealed who God was. Remember we were saying yesterday how the God first revealed himself and says, Lo, I come. But he came in a cloud. He came in the thick darkness that no one could look upon him. They heard a voice, but they could not see him. <clears throat> but Jesus Christ reveals God, who God is, the love which God has toward us. Then we see the righteousness, righteous in the spirit. Remember the words of Jesus in John eight forty six, Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? Who, who, who can see sin in me? Jesus says. Is there any condemnation of my actions? And then in 2 Corinthians in 5, 21, it says, For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. 1 Peter 2.22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. 1 John 3 verse 5, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. I use those three 
uh, in particular, but also John, of course, who re- re- records what Jesus himself said. But three things. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall a thing be established, the scripture tells us. And here we have Paul to the Corinthians saying of Christ, he knew no sin. We have Peter in First Peter 2 saying, who did no sin. And in John, John testifies also, and in him is no sin. Three witnesses, all of whom uh, recognize Jesus Christ, who say to us, there was no sin in him. He is recognized then, observed, and we've read those verse, verses from First John 1, uh, that they bore witness to him, observed by these messengers. And Jesus said to them, didn't he? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the message. The word for gospel is this word, you and gelion. And we have the word angel there. You means good. And gelion is the message. A good message. Hence our word, the gospel. A good word. And here we have this, this gospel which went forth, heralded by those whom Jesus sent. Who, had, who did he send? Those who saw him. Those who observed him, those who could testify to him, those who could, of whom he could say, ye are my witnesses. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Then, of course, he is received, believed on in the world. In First Thessalonians 1 and verse 9 we read these words, for they themselves show of us the manner of entering in we had unto you. How ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come, believed on in the world. And Paul makes a particular point of speaking to the Thessalonians in that way. How amazing it was that when he came to them with the gospel, they, with great joy, received that gospel and how that they would uh, wait for him then, uh, for his coming. And then finally here, received up into glory or taken up in glory. In First Thessalonians 1 verse 6, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Acts 11:18 when they heard these things they held their peace and glorified God saying then hath God also uh, hath, then hath God also to the gentiles granted repentance unto life and Philippians 2:11 and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is lord to the glory of the father you see when when Jesus Christ is received as savior by any person by you by me God is glorified And here, he is received up in glory. He is taken up. Not necessarily taken up into heaven, but taken up in the hearts of all of his people. And here, we see him glorified. And God is glorified at every salvation. Remember how the Lord Jesus said that the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who is saved. The angels rejoice. God is glorified. God's people rejoice. God is glorified. Someone believes and trusts in him. God is glorified. He is received up in glory. The glory of God is revealed unto men in every salvation. So he is then revealed. 
The righteousness is seen. It is recognized. It is heralded in the world. It is received by the world. It is revered. Then we see the context. To observe the context here, we see in that fourth chapter how that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now Paul in in Timothy is saying to Timothy that that the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, they won't believe the word of God, and they will put other things in place of me, uh, in place of God rather. Uh, They will speak lies, verse 2, in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received. And we see those things, and we might immediately think the Roman Catholic Church, because uh, they forbid their priests to marry and also to abstain from meats. Uh, We think of the fish on Friday kind of thing. That might come immediately to us in that way. But really, what is he saying? He is saying that the commandments of men have been put in front of God. So men have come together, and uh, we were speaking about this uh, just the other day, and speaking about the, the um, uh, organized religion, where the religion becomes something, instead of the pure worship of the Lord. The religion comes in, and there is a, a kind of a false mimicry of the Lord, of the ways of the Lord. So we're doing stuff to make ourselves Christians, but that's not what a christian is a christian is a person who loves the lord a christian is a person who accepts the lord a christian is this person who casts themselves upon the lord and depends upon the lord and desires to worship the lord and to walk with the lord a christian is not someone who just does this or does that a christian is not someone who just goes to church although if you love the lord you go because you love the lord and you love the lord's people and you love the lord's word so you go to church i'm not saying you don't go to church but You don't just go to church because people expect it of you. That is not Christianity. That is just an outward uh, appearance of something. That's why we read together from Isaiah 29 and verse 13. This verse was upon my mind also this week, and I I actually recorded it that I might preach on it at some point. But it came back to me when I was preparing this. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord said... For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. It's not a true fear. They don't really fear me. They don't actually know me. They don't actually love me. They don't actually reverence me. All they do is what men tell them to do. Do this, do that, and that is a false religion that is an organized if you if you like religion where men have made the doctrines and put them in front of god interesting that in the new testament this is referred to matthew fifteen nine. but in vain they do worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men Mark 7, 7 repeats that same thought. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And Colossians then 2 and verse 22, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. 
And there, uh, Colossians is speaking about uh, eating and drinking and the different things which a religious person might do. But they are after the commandments and doctrines of men. And Titus 1.14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Here is the context. So what, God, what Paul is actually teaching here is the mystery of the fear of God, the mystery of a good worship, the mystery of a true worship. It is not in the things that we do, it is in the heart with which we do them that we might glorify God. There is a false mimicry of the things of God, but they will do us no good. But then there's a faithful ministry also. And this is Paul's purpose, of course. Timothy was a minister. Timothy was serving the Lord. He was a a, a pastor of a church. So what does the Lord say to him? Well, in chapter 4 and verse 13, he says to Timothy, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, or to teaching. So he is saying to Timothy, teach the word. Teach the righteousness of God, this good worship that God was manifest in the flesh, that Jesus Christ was justified in the spirit. He was actually one of us, yet he loved the Lord. And all that he did, he did because of the love of the Father and the love of mankind. Teach this. Teach this, what I'm teaching here this morning. And he says to feed on the word, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And again, 1 Timothy 4.16, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear me. Not the doctrines of men, but the doctrines of God. Are we not to have doctrines? Yes, we're to have doctrines. Are we not to have the teachings of how we should live our lives? Yes, but the ones which God sets before us. And our daily prayer should be, Lord, give me an understanding, a spiritual understanding of your word, so that I'm not just doing things on the outside for no benefit. And then finally, to obtain the counsel. To obtain the counsel of the apostle here. We read the words of the Lord Jesus, how that he came after that John was put into prison, Mark 1, 14. He came into Galilee preaching the gospel, the good news, the euangelion of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And here, what is the gospel? God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, preached unto the Gentiles. It is Christ. Christ our salvation, Christ our deliverer, Christ that we should look to and through whom worship the God who created us. Just a verse to finish, if you have your Bibles there, just turning back to Philippians in chapter 2, a very well-known passage of Scripture. Philippians in chapter 2. We are seeking to look unto Jesus and see him who was manifest in the flesh. The one who inspired these servants of his, who having watched him in this earth and seeing his perfect righteousness, his blessedness, his death upon the cross for us, 
went forth to preach. And the apostle Paul writes to the Philippians and he says in verse 3, verse 2 rather, Fulfill ye my joy that ye may be like-minded. Philippians 2 verse 2. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. And here we should give our meditation. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery or a thing to be grasped at to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here is the mind which is in Christ who humbles himself, who glorifies God, who puts him first and who is exalted. And this is the promise to every child of God that when that day of the Lord comes, he will say, well done thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou in to the joy of the Lord. Then we shall see him as he is. Then we shall receive the inheritance. But now, let us humble ourselves. Let us not seek in some way to be equal with God as those false professors who teach for doctrines the commandments of men and not the commandments of God, who seek to put themselves between mankind and God, who seek to put their doctrines between mankind and God, but let us worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, and let us glorify him. Jesus said, follow me. And that is the exaltation of the Apostle Paul. Follow Christ. Follow Christ. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son who yielded his life an atonement for sin and open the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. So come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he has done. Oh, perfect redemption. The purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Great things he has taught us, great things he has done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son, but purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord. We will come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory great things he hath done.
May the Lord help us this day and in our lives to give God the glory and to see him for who he is and to look upon him that we might be his in very truth. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank thee for the Lord Jesus Christ who revealed thee in this world. Lord, there were many who were terrified of thee. There were many who thought thee to be so hard that thou couldst not be pleased. There were many, O Lord, who set other doctrines in the way just to try to impress thee in some way. But Lord, when we look upon the Lord Jesus Christ, he left all of those things which were his due to be worshipped and came into this world to show us that humans can be humble, that humans can be obedient, that humans can give themselves for the glory of God, that humans can know the blessing and presence of the Lord. That is our need, Lord, that it might be our desire and that we might love thee as the Saviour loved thee. Lord, that we might desire thee above all things. Bless our hearts, we pray thee. And over this time, as we perhaps have some moments to spend, not in the usual work life, but Lord, in times of silence, Lord, we pray that we might take those times to meditate upon Christ and upon the God of heaven who sent him forth and received him back into glory. Whoever lives to make intercession for us, that we also might make intercession one for another and give thee thanks in all things. Bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.